Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 232 of the Fun With Cars Motorsport Miscellany, a brief rundown of the motorsports we care about. I'm Robin Warner. It is Thursday evening Eastern Time of the 10th of May, 2018. I want to start with a brief look at our upcoming racing schedule. Okay. Formula One is the fifth round, the Spanish Grand Prix, that's coming on the 13th of May, which is this coming weekend. IndyCar is a day earlier. It's also the fifth round. They're calling it the IndyCar GP, and it's on the road course at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the infield road course, and it's similar to the one that Formula One ran in 2000 to 2007, but they have modified it since Formula One was last there. The World Endurance Championship, we are no longer talking about the first round. It is the second round of the World Endurance Championship, and that is the 24 Hours of Le Mans, 16th of June, 2018, and I do believe wraps up on the 17th of June, 2018. And finally, it's the fifth round of the IMSA uh, Championship, and that's going to be in my back door in Detroit, and that is going to be one of their short races. It's a 100-minute long race on the 2nd of June in 2018. So that's what we have coming up. Today, we are going to talk about the fourth IMSA round held at Mid-Ohio near Columbus, Ohio. And we're going to chat about the first round of the World Endurance Championship held at Spa in Belgium. Then I have a little bit of World Endurance Championship and Formula One news. But first to the IMSA results. Finally came good for the Acura Penske's. They finished First and second. One-two finish for Acura Team Penske with Elio Castroneves and Ricky Taylor taking the win. And Juan Pablo Montoya and Dane Cameron coming in second. So Acura Penske was kind of a favorite from the beginning. They were showing real strength at the Daytona 24-hour. But then things kind of fell apart halfway through the race. They thought, well, gosh, we made it more than halfway through Daytona, so maybe we'll win the Sebring 12-hour. No, that actually went worse in a lot of ways. And then in the third round, it still wasn't quite there. But no, fourth round came good. 160-minute race, 2 hours and 40 minutes, and they were able to hold on and take the win pretty decisively, in fact. And in another bit of hopeful news, it was Mazda Team Yost in third, uh, piloted by Tristan Nunez and Oliver Yarvis. So the two powerhouse teams that were most looked at leading into the season are finally starting to come around and turn good. When we go to GT Le Mans, it was the Porsche 911 RSRs again. So they've been doing very well this year so far with Earl Bamber and Lawrence Vanthor. Vanthor, maybe? There's two O's there. Uh, taking the class win. In second place, it was BMW uh, BMW M8s with Team Ray Hall uh, with Alexander Sims and Connor Filippi taking the lead there. Uh, in second place was Corvette with, um, I'm sorry, in third place was Corvette with Jan Magazine and T Antonio Garcia. So Porsche winning, BMW second, Corvette third. And then on down to GT, GT Daytona, it was the Lexus uh, RCF uh, piloted by Kyle uh, Marcelli and Dominic Buonman. I'm just so good with names, aren't I? Uh, they took the win, and second place was the Acura NSX GT3 car. Uh, driven by Alvaro Parente and Catherine Lake. And fun little thing there. Um, I interviewed Catherine a little while ago, and that article was published recently. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to include that 
in the show notes. Talking with Catherine Leg was a real pleasure. She had a lot of really insightful things to get to say. I'd say she's quite wise as a race car driver, and it was a real pleasure to talk with her. In third place was Lamborghini Huracan, uh, piloted by Brian Sellers and Madison Snow. So that was IMSA results. And we get to talk about World Endurance Championship results, too. This is exciting for me. It's no longer in the future. It is now in the present. And it was a Toyota 1-2 winning the race overall. It was a six hours of spa. That part is no surprise. What is a little bit of a surprise is that it was Fernando Alonso with Sebastian Buemi and uh, Kazumi Nakajima in the winning car. Alonso was quick right off the bat and uh, impressed and did very well. In second place, uh, the other Toyota was uh, Conway. Uh, I don't know his first name. Ah, uh, Kamui Kobayashi and uh, Jay Lopez. And taking up the podium was the first of the privateers in Rebellion Racing with uh, Beish, Law, Laurent, and uh, Menezes. <laughs> Oi, okay. I'm going to have to brush up on my World Endurance Championship drivers. In LMP2, it was G-Drive Racing, followed by, uh, in the second place car, Jackie Chan DC Racing, and uh, rounding out the podium was Singatech Alpine Matmut. So those were your LMP2 cars. And then my favorite class, I don't know why, I'm having a bit of trouble understanding why they still run prototypes when you have such a strong GT Le Mans Pro class, and the race was won by uh, Chip Ganassi, Team UK, four GTs. Just those cars are really something. And in second place, Porsche GT car. And in third place, AF Corsa Ferrari. So there we go again. The podium makes up three different makes. Um, Fourth place was another uh, Porsche, but fifth place was a BMW. Sixth place was an Aston Martin. So five of the six top finishers were different makes. To me, that's real sign of strength and... Lamar GTE Pro is really the thing to keep a look, keep an eye on. And in GTE AM, Aston Martin Racing won, TF Sport was second, and Clearwater Racing was third. So yeah, I didn't get to watch either of those races, unfortunately. I had to rely on highlights and news releases, but it was hugely fascinating to see Fernando Alonso so strong so quickly. And to that end, uh, I have a bit of news about Alonso. He was fast right at the top. It was actually his first win since Spain of 2013, if I'm remembering that correctly. It's just kind of an incredible result for him. And it makes you wonder if those kinds of results usher in a, a sped up retirement from Formula One. It's hard to say because LMP1 is kind of in a weird juxtaposition right now as well. But... To see him on top of the podium, to see him very happy, it uh, makes a strong case for itself. That said, Nico Hulkenberg won um, on his debut at the 24 Hours of Le Mans in the Porsche, and that didn't sway him. So maybe uh, we're overthinking it. Also, Formula One is making steps closer to having a Grand Prix in Miami next year. They made proposals that were approved unanimously to the city of Miami and to the county, Miami-Dade County. Both of those things went well. So it's looking pretty darn likely that Formula One will be in Miami next year. And they're also looking at New York and Las Vegas for possible venues as well. So 
Formula One spending more time in the United States. I don't know how Europe feels about that or Australia, but as a U.S. citizen, I have to say I'm pretty darn happy. And I'm even happier for this part, not that it's in the United States, but that it's in the Eastern time zone. So this will be the second race that's in my time zone. Montreal is in my time zone, the Canadian Grand Prix. And this Miami Grand Prix, assuming everything else goes smoothly, would be in my time zone as well. So that's pretty slick. Finally, it is Thursday, and it's Thursday evening here in the United States. So the Thursday press conference has already happened uh, leading up to the Spanish Grand Prix. And what was fascinating about it to me, it was Brendan Hartley, Sergio Perez, Carlos Sainz, and Fernando Alonso that were part of the Thursday press conference. And when it got to the floor, the vast majority of the questions went to Fernando Alonso and some to Carlos Sainz. Sergio Perez and Brendan Hartley basically just sat there. More than anything, I just felt bad for the guys. I understand why Fernando would get more attention just in general, and especially coming off of that uh, WEC debut win with Toyota. But still, Brendan's in a really interesting place, and Sergio just came off a podium at Azerbaijan. So... It should have gotten a little bit more attention, in my opinion. Either way, all three of those stories, there's links to them in the show notes. So uh, if you have any curiosity at all, please take a look at the show notes. And now it is time for Britishisms. And we're doing this a little bit differently this time around because Chris uh, couldn't join me today. so. I'm going to ask you guys this one. We're going to crowdsource it. I'm sure one of you guys know and is willing to type a response to me. What does fisticuffs mean? I'm pretty sure I know what it means, actually. But I guess I'm a little bit more curious about the origins. How did it become fisticuffs? If you want to have a fight with somebody, why not just say fight? Why say fisticuffs? What specifically about that makes sense to uh, folks in Britain? I would love to know. So... If you could write it up, I would be forever grateful. Thank you for that. Okay, that wraps up our Motorsport Miscellany for today. Thank you for listening. Please take a moment to review us on iTunes or on whatever platform you get your podcasts. Please leave comments on the podcast of your choice by going to funwithcars.com. As always, I can be reached at feedback at funwithcars.com. Tweet us at fun underscore with underscore cars. And check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash fwcars. I'm Robin Warner. Goodbye. Goodbye.